I was really challenged last week as Meshach um, kicked off our new theme, the discipline to delight. What a, what a powerful message that was and feel free to, to go back and watch that. But if you've got your Bibles this morning, uh, we're going to be continuing that theme looking obviously at the story of Pentecost. So feel free to turn with me to Acts chapter 1 and Acts uh, chapter 2. We'll be diving into, into there shortly. But Cookie gave us a really great introduction reading that Acts chapter 2 there and as we've known from from the gospels we've you kind of we, we interrupt the story where be, before Jesus's death he's constantly reminding his disciples that he won't be here much longer he gives them instructions for for life after he's gone uh, and Jesus then is then betrayed as you know Judas betrays him he's then crucified on the cross he, he takes the wrath of God, God upon himself for the sins of the world He's then buried in the tomb for three days, as we know, but on the third day, he proves that he was who he really was. He, he raises from the dead. He proves that he is the resurrection and the life. He is the son of God. Yes. Then for a period of about 40 days, well, it was 40 days, the Bible says that he appeared to his disciples. He gave them a few final instructions and, and a bit of teaching on the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus ascends into heaven right before their very eyes. What an experience that would be, I'd love to watch that one back when we get to heaven. Yeah. Then there's a 10-day period where Jesus is in heaven and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. And then as the cookie read before, while they're waiting and they're in the upper room and the Bible says, suddenly the wind comes and the fire falls. God's Holy Spirit came. People began speaking in the languages and the disciples were emboldened to continue God's mission. Pentecost Sunday. Wow. I'm, um, sorry, you know what I get like. I'm sure um, many of you have, uh, have heard of Yosemite National Park. It's a, a famous national park in California, America. It's famous for its spectacular landscapes. It's beautiful mountainous landscapes. But out of its rich history, there is the stories are told of a spectacle they had called the Firefall. It was witnessed by millions of people for almost a hundred years. Every summer, from 1872 to 1969. They would gather all the trees that had fallen throughout the year and they would pile them up onto a mountaintop called Glacier Point in Yosemite National Park. And it would be this absolutely huge, colossal gathering of trees, gathering of logs and dead wood and bark that they'd gather from all over the forest. And they'd prepare the wood so that when the sun came down and it became dark at nine o'clock, they would light this huge bonfire, this colossal bonfire on the cliff of Glacier Point. Then they had people and machinery stood at the top waiting to push this massive burning bonfire off the edge of the cliff and the trees that were on fire would come falling down Glacier Point and it would give the effect of a waterfall of fire. Just before they would do that though, the crowds would gather, cars would park along the ridges of the mountains to get a good view. Thousands would camp at the base in the surrounding meadows to get the best view. And as they got ready, the, 
Um, they were all waiting in expectation and when the time came for the firefall to happen, the people would all shout with one voice. They would shout, let the fire fall. And at that moment, the bulldozers and the, the people would push the fire off the edge and it would come down in this beautiful effect and they'd have a celebration after they'd celebrate with music and dancing and instruments. It was this big festival. But it was the moment that the people shouted, let the fire fall, that the fire came falling down the mountain. You see, I don't know about you, but don't we want to be people that live on fire for God? Don't we want to learn to walk in the spirit, to keep in step with the spirit of God and for the fire of God to fall afresh on this town and this nation once again, a people revived by the Spirit of God. Lord, let the fire fall once again. So today, as we take a closer look at Pentecost, I, I believe there are some foundational principles that teach us about the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit and our responsibility as disciples of Jesus who continue to cry, Lord, let the fire fall again. First of all, notice that the fire falls on surrendered hearts. Listen to Jesus' instruction in Acts chapter 1 verse 4. He says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not, speak, uh, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The fire falls on surrendered hearts. There was a clear promise from God there, wasn't there? The gift my father had promised, Jesus said. In fact, in the final months of Jesus' time with his disciples, he'd already been, we hear him frequently talking about this gift that's being promised, encouraging his disciples that the promise would indeed be fulfilled. Luke 24, 49, he says, I'm going to send to you what my father has promised. John 14, 16, he says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. In John chapter 16, verse 7, he says, he actually says that it's better that I go so that then the father will send the Holy Spirit. If I don't go, the advocate won't come. But if I go away, then I will send him to you. There was a clear promise from God and the disciples were now so close to that promise and the fulfillment of that promise but it was on the other side of a command wait in Jerusalem the fulfillment of the promise was on the other side of obedience one of the great battles of the Christian journey throughout the Christian journey is am I willing to surrender my will my agenda and my timing to God's will, God's will, uh, agenda, and God's timing. But here at Pentecost, the fire falls on surrendered hearts. I remember, um, so after, after uni, I did, there was a time where I was in a door-to-door sales. And um, how many of you don't, already don't like me? I know I've got a few looks then. Door-to-door sales. I, uh, I used to do door-to-door sales. And I, I, my schedule allowed me to have Friday 
often there was a prayer meeting in Manchester that I used to go to on a Thursday night. So if I went there, it meant I got Friday off, so it means I could sleep in. We prayed from 10 o'clock at night till 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, and one day I remember I was going through uh, a bit of a, a rough time. I needed some real breakthrough, some real genuine answers to prayer. And so what I did was I said, right, God, on, the, on this particular Thursday, I'm going to fast. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to walk all day door to doors, and then I'm going to go and pray through the night. As the day started and I'm walking around and I'm getting tired and weary, I'm, I'm saying to God, oh, God, look at me. I'm fasting. I'm, I'm, I'm going to prayer meeting tonight. Come on, God, you need to answer. And then the day, and then I drive into Manchester after my shift and I get there a little bit late and I'm saying, oh, God, I'm so tired, but look, I'm, I'm fasting and I'm praying. I'm doing this for you, God. I'm doing this for you. And then I, I get out of my car and I go to, to knock on the door. I'm, I'm a little bit late. It's 10 o'clock at night and I'm knocking on the door and no one's answering. I'm thinking any moment now and 10 minutes goes by and still nothing. There's a number to ring on the door and I'm, and I, I turn in that, as I'm in, stood in the door. I remember I stood and I looked up and I said to God, I said, God, I've fasted for you. I've, I'm here now to, I've worked all day and I've come to pray and you're not even going to open the door for me. And I'm, I'll never forget. I've never been more convicted in all of my life. As soon as I said that, there was like a weight. And it, it wasn't like the audible voice of God, but I heard God just speak and says, who do you think I am? Are you trying to bribe me? I was, I'd turned these spiritual disciplines into a way of bribing God to get my will, to get my agenda. And God reminded me that, no, this is, I'm, but what I'll do by my spirit is done by my will and my way. My heart had grown prideful. I was filled with an arrogance before God and it had turned, I turned these spiritual disciplines into a bribe before God. God, if I do this, will you do this? God gives us his spirit, but it's not to get our will done in heaven. It's to get his will done on earth. I was so convicted. I drove home straight away and I fell on my knees and I had to repent before God. God, I'm sorry for trying to bribe. God, I'm sorry for expecting my way. God, I'm sorry for just the pride that I'd come to you before. Surrendering to God isn't a one-off event when we become Christians, but it's a daily discipline, dethroning all of the rivals in our hearts and fixing our eyes back on Jesus. Second Chronicles 19 verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord rage throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Is there a nudge of the Holy Spirit on your heart this morning to surrender? Is there an agenda that you won't release? Is there that unforgiveness that you're struggling to let go of today? Lord, let the fire fall on us afresh this morning. You see, friends, the good news is that Jesus is a compassionate God. He's slow to anger, abounding in love, rich in mercy. Jesus Christ welcomes us as we come back to him and say, Father, I'm sorry, I'm here to surrender once again. And today you can do that as well. Jesus is our compassionate saviour. If you, O oh God, kept a record of our sins, the Bible says, who could stand? Aren't you, God, aren't glad that Jesus doesn't keep a record of the things we've done wrong but invites us back with welcome hands. The fire falls on surrendered hearts. 
Following that, we see that the fire falls on hungry souls. Listen to this. In in response to Jesus' command in Acts 1 verse 14, it tells us how the disciples responded. Verse 14, it says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. The fire falls on hungry souls. What a picture that was of unity. One translation says that we're all on one accord. Another translation says that they were all of one mind. Despite the hints of bickering and arguing that we see in the Gospels, it seems that now that they've seen Jesus firsthand died on the cross, now that they've seen the resurrected Saviour, and now that they've watched Jesus ascend into heaven firsthand, it seems that whatever differences they had, Jesus has done such a deep work in them that their differences pale in comparison to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, their Lord. Don't we want that kind of unity in the church today? As we look across and as you look to your left and to your right, you'll see people from all different nations. We'll see people of all different backgrounds. But what brings us together in unity is a common goal to see the Spirit of God at work in this place once again. To see Jesus' kingdom come and his will be done. The fire falls on hungry hearts. Not only were they unified, but they were constantly in prayer, that scripture says. The word in there indicates not just a casual prayer life, but a real intensity, a real fervency, a desperation, a hunger, a passion, and a devotion. We heard Cookie pray before. He says, where two or three are gathered, there God is in the midst. Don't we believe as a Pentecostal church in the power of prayer this morning? And that's where we go from discipline to delight. It doesn't stop at obedience, but now it continues on with a hunger and a passion towards pursuing God. Lord, let the fire fall once again. There was a song we used to sing at school. I don't know if anyone else used to sing this one. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Classic. Absolute classic. I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like such a battle to keep that fire burning. We're given the command in 1 Thessalonians 5, do not quench the spirit, which feels timely, more timely than ever today, doesn't it? In the world that fights for our affections and for our devotions, if God had asked me to wait for 10 days, I could have easily filled that 10 days with, I, could have, I would watch back-to-back Premier League games from today all at once. I could fill my time with all sorts of series, TV shows and things like that, but here we get a picture of unity and a fervent prayer. God, let the fire fall on us once again. You see, coming back to the, the story we're looking at at the beginning, the, the spectacle of the firefall there was uh, in in 1969 they had to stop it in the end the the crowds got too big and cars would drive off road over the meadows to get a better view and they just wrecked the countryside and then thieves and robbers um would loot the surrounding hotels because they knew everyone was watching the firefall so in 1969 they said they had to stop it a man who had been there he he came back years later to he, t- he timed it so he could come and watch the firefall again. And he, he found the park ranger and he said, oh, what, what time is the firefall? And the park ranger said, oh, I'm sorry, the fire doesn't fall here. 
anymore. We don't have that here anymore. The fire doesn't fall here anymore. I'm sure you'd agree that that could be said of so many places today. You might feel like that even now as you've come in. The fire doesn't fall here anymore. Maybe you're seeing I used to have that bonfire love for Jesus. I used to have that hunger when I prayed. I used to have that worship and a passion in worship and a a fire as I served in God and an enthusiasm for, for God's house. But now there's just embers and ashes of a once burning fire. Lord, let the fire fall on us once again. If there was ever a time that people and nations and churches needed men and women of the fire of God, isn't it now? We need the Holy Spirit to fall afresh on us once again. The fire falls on hungry souls. Are there any brothers and sisters from Zimbabwe in the house today? No one. If you're watching online from Zimbabwe, let us know. Put it in the chat. Decades ago, there was a pastor in Zimbabwe, and he was serving God in a community that was particularly hostile to Christianity. In fact, it ended up they ended up taking his life. Uh, and his fa- uh, in the air, uh, they end up taking his life and his family. After he deceased, they were going through his belongings and on, on his office desk, they found uh, a letter in an envelope, and it said, "This it's too good not to share." Listen to the to the, the hunger of this. It says, <clears throat> "I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed, the die." has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his and I won't look back. I won't let up, slow up, back down, back away or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm done and finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colourless dreams, tamed visions, mundane talking, cheap living and dwarfed goals. I know not long... I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right or first or tops or recognized or praised or rewarded. I live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by his patience, lift by prayer, and labor by the Holy Spirit power. My face is set. My goal is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, but my guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I will not be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity or meander at the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, last bit. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I have stayed up, stored up, and prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must give all until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he does come for his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. The fire falls on hungry souls.
You see, Paul told Timothy, didn't he? He said, fan into flames the gift of God. Fire is from God, but there is, appears to be some responsibility for us to keep the flame burning, to keep the fire alive by the help and the grace of the Holy Spirit. The disciples back then weren't just sat on their hands, but they welcomed in the Holy Spirit with prayer. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Brian, last year, he shared about that, that word, that prophetic word that, ha- that highlighted the importance of prayer, the need to dig the wells once again. How can you fan into flames a hunger for the things of God again? Do you need to make power at prayer a priority again? Do you need to join a life group? Do you need someone to pray with you? The fire falls on surrendered hearts. The fire falls on hungry souls. And finally, the fire falls for empowered lives. Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, the first chapter of Acts joins what Jesus began to do and teach in the Gospels with what Jesus began to do and teach through the apostles and the early church for the responsibility they had, for the mission that he'd given them. In their strength, it was impossible. They needed the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. The fire falls for empowered lives. Let me give you a few ways that the Holy Spirit empowers us. This is just based on a few scriptures from the, from the New Testament and we could go on all day. But here's a few. In John 14, he's the advocate that will teach all things. In John 15, he's the spirit of truth who testifies about Jesus. In John 16, he's the one that convicts us of our sin. And in Acts 9, he's our encourager. He helps us to pray in Romans 8. In 1 Corinthians, he is, he's the giver of spiritual gifts. In 2 Corinthians, he brings freedom and transforms us into the image of Christ. In Galatians, he helps us bear fruit. In Ephesians, he's the one that strengthens us. In 1 Thessalonians, he brings us joy. And in Titus 3, he's the one who renews us. The fire falls for empowered lives. To fully understand the significance of the Holy Spirit, Luke gives us a really useful detail. He says, and Cookie read it before, when the day of Pentecost came. Now I've read that a thousand times, but as I came to take a closer look, it kind of feels like Pentecost is already an existing day. It already kind of feels like it's already there. So it makes us ask the question, what is Pentecost and why, what's the significance of the Holy Spirit coming? on that day is it just a coincidence or is is Luke trying to help us here so let's take a look at this so two different different commentators give us two key points to Pentecost what makes it so important first in the Old Testament Pentecost was a a Jewish feast it was held 50 days after Passover and it celebrated the first fruits of the wheat harvest it was a feast to celebrate all that was going to come in the harvest the great harvest that was to come The second thing, uh, Jewish tradition teaches us that Pentecost was also the day that Moses uh, received the Torah, the the first five books of the Bible, the the God's law, it was God's instruction 
God's guidance to Israel. It, it set them apart as God's people, people who want to glorify and represent God, and it kind of defined them as a nation. See, these two things, these two threads pull perfectly together. Just as the Feast of Pentecost celebrated the start of a great wheat harvest that was to come. So hundreds of years later at Pentecost in the upper room, we see the start of an even greater harvest. A harvest of Jews, a harvest of Gentiles, a global harvest of souls coming into the kingdom of God. Men and women just like you who weren't born into God's kingdom by natural descent, but born into God's kingdom by the spirit of God being born again. Similarly, just as Pentecost was the day that Moses received the Torah and it set the Israelites apart from other nations. So the coming of the Holy Spirit set his disciples apart and marked them as his representatives to the nations. We are Christ's representatives to the world. The Holy Spirit was given to empower us to testify of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to continue to bring a great harvest into God's kingdom for God's glory. Lord, let the fire fall once again. Peter received the Holy Spirit and he went from denying Jesus to standing in front of the crowd speaking about the goodness of God. Paul received the Holy Spirit and boldly, could boldly stand before courts and kings. Countless others received the power of the Holy Spirit and endured through persecution and tough times. How can you be a witness in your world today? Where has God put you? Has he put you in family? at work, in the gym? Who can you be praying for today? We hear that God said, and Jesus says, if you, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? Maybe you're in here today and you're wanting to encounter the Spirit of the living God this morning. Can I encourage you to expect Miracles. Can I encourage you to expect words of prophecy for maybe the person next to you? Can I encourage you to expect opportunities and doors to open for you to share your, your faith? Expect tongues of fire. Expect the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You see, to be a light on a hill, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To see the life center be all that it's going to be. To see transformed lives, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. The fire falls for empowered lives. If the band would like to, to join us. You see, as a, as a church, we're a, we're a Pentecostal church, part of a Pentecostal body of churches and we believe in the power of what happened at Pentecost, back in the book of Acts. When the fire of God, the person of the Holy Spirit, fell on the apostles and the early church. We believe that the Holy Spirit is always at work. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe that God is a God of miracles through the works through his Spirit. And we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So today, as we've taken a closer look at Pentecost and there's so much more that could be said but with not enough time I believe we've seen some foundational principles that teach us about the ongoing work of the spirit 
and the responsibility we have as Jesus' disciples who continue to cry out, Lord, let the fire fall. The fire falls on surrendered hearts. The fire falls on hungry souls. And the the fire falls for empowered lives. Amen? Let's pray. Why don't you stand, in fact, and the band can begin to play. Jesus, holy God. Lord, you are good. You are good. You are good. And your love endures forever. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You are good, Lord. Holy Spirit, we honour you in this place today. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the significance of Pentecost, Lord, that you came to empower your people without discrimination, Lord. You chose everyone, all tongues, all people groups, all nations to be born into your family. Thank you, Father, also that we stand here because of your work in us, Lord, that we are someone else witness to us and we're only stood here, Father, because you've used someone else. And so, God, we just pray with a fresh wind and a fresh fire to fall on us once again, Lord. Jesus, we know that this, what people, what the world needs more than anything, Lord, is a fresh encounter with the living God. Lord, you said that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And so, God, will you fill us afresh, God? Will you fill us with the boldness, Jesus? Lord, will you give us eyes to see and ears to hear where you're wanting us to go, who you're wanting us to speak to? And Father God, will you glorify your name, Jesus? Lord, we want to lift your name up. We want to see your kingdom come, your will be done. We want to see you exalted among the nations. And God, we pray, fall afresh on us. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.